HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Look, Chava, a check from La Luna Mescal de Michoacan. Wow, Lou, what are we going to do with that? We're going to strap ourselves in for another episode of Agave Road Trip brought to you by La Luna Mescal de Michoacan. I am Lou Bank. I am Chava Periwan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the podcast where we try to teach gringo bartenders about agave in rural Mexico. Because we love you road trippers. Yes, we do. Okay, so today's episode uh, is about fermentation. We covered uh, roasting, uh, harvesting agave, and then roasting agave, and then milling agave. And once it's milled, you've got to turn it into alcohol. Correct. And this is probably to some people's perception, the thing that has the most influence in the flavor profile. If you take the same producer, same species, and you tweak the fermentation, this is going to complete, completely change what you're drinking. Ah, God. You know, for me, I, I, I get what you're saying, and I know other people who would agree with you, and I can't agree with you. I think every step has such an impact on the end result. I think, you know, this is the the 400 decisions thing that we've talked about in the past, that they the, the men and women who make these spirits make 400 decisions in the process. Uh, and some of the decisions are made for them, right? Like the environment that the agave grows up in. Um, but I will, I will absolutely concede that how you ferment, the things that uh, inoculate the fermentation will have such an impact on the end result. And this is sort of like a very magical thing. Like a lot of people did not understand yeast until I think Pasteur was the guy that that, that would be Lou Lou Pasteur. Pasteur. Yeah, correct. Yeah. He was the first guy to document it. Yes. So for many many millennia, people were like, "How the hell is this sugar becoming alcohol?" Right. There's some magical, wonderful god <laughs> that really loves us as <laughs> just taking the sugar and making it. because technically speaking, what's the the chemical reaction there? Yeast, for some bizarre reason, evolved to love to eat sugars and poo alcohol. I, I think it goes back to what you just said two seconds ago. It's because God loves us, Chava. Oof, I'm not going in there, Lou. Thank you very much <laughs> for suggesting that. But uh, but it's it's a crazy thing. And I think what's really interesting is in most of the advanced first world of the alcohol making, the one thing that is, I, I guess, critical for the process is choosing your yeast strain. 
Choosing your yeast. <laughs> choosing your yeast. You go to a lab. They have it like if you have a lot of money, they custom made it for you. It's yeah. like designed for your needs, for your yield, for all that stuff. And you're doing that fermentation in a closed environment. So you're controlling exactly what microbes get into the uh, temperature you close the vessel like it's a very very clinical you you clean the hell out of your tools and then how do they do it in the little communities that you and i love so much well i i think we have a very good guy to us because he does it in the weirdest possible way yeah 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 so that's our friend amando alvarado alvarez in Santa Maria Ixcatlan, Oaxaca. We visited Amando back in, I think, this, is this November? March. Uh, this we is March of 2019. March. It was cold. Yeah. It was, I it remember was cold. that. Quote unquote cold. <laughs> okay, so let's run Amando's clip. We ferment on cow or bull heads that we get when they're slaughtered during a mayordomia or fiesta patronal. We tie the hide from the legs, head, and tail with the hair on the outside to a wood frame making it look like a bag. Then we place the milled agave inside and we mix it with water. The time it would take to be ready always depends on how the agave was cooked and on the weather. The heights themselves can last for long. We once had one that lasted for nine years, but others can only last for a year. It depends a lot on the bulls or cow's breed. Thank you very much, Amando. We all love your spirits. They oh. are, are they available yeah, in the yeah. states? Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I would have forgotten. So yeah, you can get Amando's spirits uh, through Cinco Sentidos is is his primary importer, and I think he's going to be launching his own brand, uh, Ixcateco, uh, sometime in the in the near future. And all the flavors that come out of that stuff are so unique. So I definitely recommend it. Yeah. So so he described a process that seems relatively simple to me compared to having this closed environment and adding something so why why would anybody do anything other than open air fermentation well did you realize he didn't even say the word fermentation or no he maybe used the word fermentation but he did not mention yeast at all huh does he even know it exists i'm not very sure maybe somebody has told him about that but i'm (laughs) I'm pretty sure he's not thinking about is this yeast invited to this party when he is (laughs) making his fermentation huh interesting you know the thing that always amazes me about the open air fermentation that i see in rural mexico is that they're doing this and it's not like yeast is the only thing that's out there right if you've got a closed environment, you are controlling exactly what can get into that ferment. And and when you've got an open air, you've got acetobacter. It's basically acetic acid bacteria that wants to come in and do its job. The yeast job is to come and eat sugar and spit out CO2 and alcohol. The job of the acetic acid bacteria is to eat alcohol and spit out acetic acid, also known as vinegar. So literally, if you are not staying on top of that fermentation, right? You're going to have a batch that you, you waited 15 years for your agave, right? To, to reach maturity. And then you, you open air fermented it. So like you roasted it, you roasted it underground and you milled it. You took, you took days to hand mill this thing. And this is how Amanda's doing it. And then it's all going to turn into salad dressing because you did not pay attention and you, or you didn't you didn't distill it fast enough. People don't do this because it's extremely difficult, extremely risky, and extremely asymmetrical. That's and, your answer. And when you do it right, it's wonderful. Extremely beautiful. Amen. Okay, so uh, 
let's move on from fermentation to uh, what should we do next? We should do agave saves the world. Yeah, I want some of that. We've been very indulging with our audience. Yeah, <laughs> with the flavors. <laughs> just and just the... chocolate and food and flavors. Let's talk about some serious stuff. Yeah, so there's this uh, school, this middle school in Zachila, which is a town about 20 minutes south of Oaxaca City, Oaxaca Centro. And at this school, well, the, the school is literally built on a dump site. It's literally the garbage dump of Oaxaca. You can start smelling it kilometers away yeah like it's 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 uh it's an open air dump site it's not very well maintained it's it's not a it's not pretty yeah and well it depends on your definition of pretty but because i think there's a lot of beauty there and so these so you've got a community of 12 to fifteen thousand human beings who live their families who live uh on the dump site and the vast majority of them are squatting on that dump site. They literally have built lean-tos on property that they do not own so that they can be close to the dump so they can grab recyclables, turn them in for money. That's how they make their living. Yes, and when this first started, there was even people killing each other because it, it was like landing Oaxaca is a very precious commodity. Sure. So when they started squatting there, th- there's a lot of tension between, let's say, the older inhabitants of the town and the new inhabitants of, of, of it. Yeah, fair. The, the inhabitants who own or rent and then the inhabitants who squat, right? right. But you started a program there, Lou, right? Well, if I, I, if no, I'm no, not. I would not claim to have started that program. So, so uh, to be very clear, because they're squatters, they don't get the full benefits of the local government. And the school, that middle school that's in this community, um, ran out of water. The, uh, the local government stopped giving them the water they needed in order to, well, to do everything, including uh, run their agricultural program where they're teaching the children how to be farmers. So the professor for that class thought, huh, why don't we see if we can teach these kids how to grow agave from seed? I learned about this when our friends at Seconda, which is a registered charity, charity down in Oaxaca, who they just work in these these uh, recycling communities, when they reached out to me to say, hey, this school has 10,000 Tobala baby agave, and they don't know what to do with them. And for, if you know, Tobala is probably one of the most delicious agaves. Or It's, it's a very, very prized agave. It's very appreciated. It's, yeah. it's, let's say like a luxury agave. Yeah. So told me that they had these 10,000 plants and uh, asked if there was something that we could do with them. So... Um, if you were to buy these on the open market in Oaxaca, they'd cost somewhere between 25 and 50 cents U.S. dollars, right? And uh, and so we started paying them a dollar per plant. This was a few years ago, and I, last time I checked, I think we've purchased somewhere in the neighborhood of 22,000 of these plants from them. Um, and then donated those plants, made a gift of those plants to the uh, families, uh, the small families who are making traditional agave spirits. You know, my my great concern about these communities, as I've said before, is as the multinationals buy up the agave farms to protect their brands, and, you know, God bless them, I get that, that's capitalism. Um, as they do that, though, they are restricting access that these, these small families have to agave. So we're then giving them agave that will see maturity in another seven years, eight years, um, to help continue what they're doing. Well, at the same time, the dollar, the bonus money that we pay to the school for those agave helps to develop that school in these communities where these, these kids need all the help that they can get. And those, 
Those are two great programs, right? And we visited them back in March when we were in our road trip. and March of 2019. 2019. And it was great what they've, all the advance that they had done. They had bought a piece of land. They built like a new expansion for the sports area. It was great. Like they, they were really blooming. Yeah. And what Zachiel told us was that the tensions that have existed between the two communities, and this to me was the unintended benefit of, of, of these this this philanthropy that we had started. The unintended benefit was that the tensions between the side of the community that was squatting and the side of the community uh, that is people who own their homes and rents has diminished as a result of these mescaleros coming into the community. The, the other side of town, so to speak, is seeing that there's this respect for the school and the program. Um, and it's really changed the way they view view the community. Yeah, and they're getting a lot of respect for some, for a product that is working and is walking. And like everybody's wondering, why are you doing right, guys? Yeah, yeah. So, so um, you know, if, if, if you're drinking agave spirits and you want to give back, like that's a way you can do it. If you want to make a donation to that program, you can do it through Sacred um, at uh, sacred.mx. That's the nonprofit that I run here in the U.S., uh, fully tax-deductible donation, and it's going to go to help both the school and the Mescaleros. I'll cheer with a chavala for that, Lou. <laughs> Amen. Cheers. <laughs> Catch you next episode, Java. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Peribán. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.net. Distributed by Heritage Radio Network, the best network in the world for podcasts about food, drink, and agriculture. Hey, Chava, are you feeling wild today? Or are you feeling a little more domesticated? Wild for the minute, but unfortunately, I'm locked in my house, so I'm actually feeling domesticated. The beauty is La Luna Mescal de Michoacan has whatever you need to fit your feelings. So, you've had their cupriata, right? I have, yes, with a lot of pleasure. Yeah, it's great. And it's made in a very heritage way. Um, but then, have you had their chino, my friend? I haven't. Sure. So they're basically the same spirit. The difference is the cupriata is made from farmed cupriatas. The chino is made from wild cupriatas. Same process. Both of them made in a heritage way. Comes to this beautiful mezcal, wild or domesticated. So if you want to go wild even when locked indoors, go check lalunamezcal.com. Prepare your nicest jicaritas and enjoy. Thank you for supporting Agave Road Trip. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. This program is powered by Simplecast.